glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. First Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he should be one flesh, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. We looked at that last Sunday night. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I want to give you three simple points about our bodies tonight from some major texts, probably the most the most explicit, if I might say, the most specific text on the Christian and their body as far as just in the general sense and how we are to view, if I might put it this way, the, the perspective we ought to have of our own body. And it's been very interesting during the whole COVID situation to watch people um, who are okay with uh, destroying human life inside of a body on this premise. It's my body, I'll do what I want. And those same people will say, but you must mask your body and do this with your body because we care about preserving life. It's rank hypocrisy. It's rank hypocrisy. I've said any man or woman that's okay with ripping up a baby in a womb is not going to tell me that they care about human bodies. They're liars. (laughs) They can say what they want. And this message is not about COVID. It's about the hypocrisy that's reigning in our streets today. You cannot tell me you care about human life and well, you have to do this with your body and that with your body, but we won't tell this woman what to do with the body of her little baby. Wicked. That's wicked. So make no mistake, bodies matter. <laughs> it's very important for the Christian to know who your body belongs to. Now, our first point tonight is the possession of the Christian's body. Now what happens, we, we talked about this morning in this morning's message, often... It appeals to the flesh to say, I want the Lord to save me. I want Him to forgive my sins. I want Him to keep me out of hell. I want Him to get me to heaven. But I don't want Him to tell me how to live while I'm getting there. I want Him to make sure I get a new body someday, but this one's going to die anyway. I want to determine what I do with my body. And so I brought up the other about the the destruction of human life because one of the things you hear is it's a woman's body, a woman's choice. It's my body, I'll do with it what I want. What troubles me is I have personally observed that mentality creep into churches. So when a pastor or a preacher or an evangelist or somebody or a teacher in the church begins to teach about the conduct of a Christian in their body, someone cries foul and says, you can't do that, it's my body. Well, actually not, unless you're lost. But if you and I are saved, it's not our body. Let me ask you something. If, if this, during this building project, I said, Brother Pope, we want to we do another little building project while we're at it. And this wasn't in the church budget, but we're going to add a little room onto the back. And I'm going to put a billiard table in it, a nice leather recliner, so that I can come over and chill out. It'll only cost an additional 10000 Would anybody have any problem with us doing that with church funds? Without church approval, I hope you would. <laughs> and I know you would. Why? Because it ain't mine. How about this? 
Tonight, when church is done, we're going to play us a cowboy movie. Now, don't let it bother you. It's rated R. But we're going to get the screen hung up, get the projector going, drop the screen down. Don't worry, there's only five cuss words in it. Don't you worry about that. Just five, a little bit of nudity, just, just a little bit. It's not bad. It's mild. Don't let that bother you. Anybody got a problem doing that? Why? People do it in their living room all the time. But this is the church house. No, your body's the church house. This is where a bunch of us get together and have church together. So I wouldn't dare do that in a church building. Why not? Would we do it in this building? Would I set it in front of my eyes in my living room? Put it in my ears in my bedroom? Why, why is it? Is the, we know good and well this brick and mortar building is not the church. God is not housed here. God's housed right here. That means I'm the temple of God seven days a week, 24 hours a day. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the possession of the human body. We lose this concept, and I'm glad we have a building to meet in, but I'm afraid sometimes we make too much of the church building, we'll forget what the true church building is. And so then, this is the perspective we're coming from this evening. May I say this? If you wouldn't think of doing it at 6892 Cody Street, Inside this building, it shouldn't be thought of being done at all. If we say, oh, I could not do that in the church. And I understand there's not there's certain things we don't do while we're assembling. I, I get that, that aren't unclean or harmful. But there's some people, oh, don't tell a lie at church. I know none of you believe that. Don't tell a lie anywhere. But some people think that way. Oh, I'd never lie at church. What they mean is, while they're in the four walls of this building, they wouldn't tell a lie. Now, as soon as I'm out there, anything goes. But that's all backwards thinking. So let's consider this text. The possession of our bodies. Number one, I use the word possession because we are under his ownership. We're under his ownership. Look again at verses 19 and 20. You know these verses very well. What? He says with a question mark. By the way, if you study Corinthians, he asked this statement over over and over. No, you're not. No, you're not because they were people that delighted in how much they knew about Christianity. He says, you're so intelligent. I believe there's some holy sarcasm. I believe in holy sarcasm. I do. You study the ministry of Christ. You study the ministry of Christ. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? If you're such good Christians, this is something you ought to know. Isn't that what Jesus said to Nicodemus? How is it that being a, a, a doctor of the law, you don't know these things? Nicodemus was a proud man and he'd brought down just a bit. You look, you teach the law, you ought to know this. The one basic thing that a Christian ought to know is I'm not my own. I was bought with a price. Just my soul was bought, just my spirit was bought, or everything. Spirit, soul, and body. I was bought out of sin, bought by the Savior. Why? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Could the language of God's Holy Spirit be any clearer than that right there? Ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The word redeemed is the idea of purchasing something out of bondage, out of, out of slavery. In Ephesians 1 7 says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. First Peter 1 18 and 19 says, for as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, the purchasing price of me was the blood he shed on, on the cross. 
That was the price paid to purchase me out of sin. I ought to respect and reverence that purchase price. It's what it costs to buy me. And he shed his blood. And when I put my trust in him, that, that which was already bought and paid for was put into place and I became his purchased possession. The reason we say that our body is not our own is because we've been bought. We are under the ownership of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I did this on purpose, of course. I asked Jansen to hold my watch. Now, Jansen's down there. He's got it on his wrist. That's all right. It's a good place for it to be. But if I looked down and Jansen was using my watch to bang screws into the pew... I would say, hey, 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 stop that. That's not why I gave that to you. I didn't hand that to you for you to bang that into the pew. It's not a hammer, it's a watch. May I say this as I said this morning. Jesus Christ has every right in the world to say, hey, 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 I don't want that going in my ears. Those are my ears. I don't want that. I don't want your feet going in that establishment. I wouldn't go in there and I don't want your feet going in there. I don't want my hands, the hands I've purchased don't do that. Whether someone's watching or whether they're not. You just look at your body now. You look at your ten toes on your two feet, your legs, your arms, your hands, your eyes, your ears, your nose, and your brain, everything in between, and it does not belong to you. Not yours. Now, I have something. If Jansen has that watch tonight and he decides he's going to use it as a hammer, you think he's going to get in a little bit of trouble? It's just a cheap little old watch. I don't pay a lot for watches. I'm too rough on them. <laughs> I said two things I don't pay much for, watches and sunglasses. I destroy them all the time. Lose them, sit on them, drive on them, whatever. So we don't do much. But it's mine, and I like being able to tell time with it. And if he misuses what I've entrusted to him, he's going to hear from me. Now, he's not. He's doing a good job, taking good care of that watch. <laughs> now, we have a body that it belongs to him, but we get to use it as a house for a few years. We get to live in it. I rent. My landlord, we've made a contractual agreement. We'll pay him X amount of dollars. He'll let us live in a house that is in his name. It's his. And so you know what? I seek to treat that house with respect. I seek to better it, not make it worse. I seek to take care of it and maintain it to the best I can because it belongs to him. He did not give us that house to turn it into a zoo. He didn't give us, we wouldn't do any good anyway. We'd kill everything we have as a pet anyway. The kings can say amen there. But it, we don't have a house to make it a zoo. We don't have a house to turn it into a uh, some kind of an illegal uh, production plant. That's not, We have it to live in, and we've made an agreement, but it's his house. So we want to use it according to his terms because it belongs to him. You get the idea. Jesus Christ took ownership of you when he saved you. So but I don't like that. Well, there are other options. Now, the devil can have your body. You want to see what the devil does with bodies? He got a hold of the bodies of a couple thousand swine one day. You know what he did with them? He ran them over a cliff and drowned them. Before that happened, he had all those same demons were living inside of a man. Boy, he did a great job with that body. He got him to strip all his clothes off, cut himself with knives, chew on, on fetters and break chains apart and live in the tombs. That sounds like a good plan. I got news for you. It's not hard to tell who, which body Satan has a hold of today. I mean, no unkindness at all. One of the best conversations I had today with is a man, and all I had to do is consider the way he's using his body. He acknowledged to me, he knew that he was guilty of not living the way God wants him to. He said, I'd have to accept guilt if I stood before God today because that's the way I'm living. Well, he didn't have to tell me anything I didn't know. I could look and see. 
the way he was using his body or the way his body is being used. Yeah, I'm just trying to say tonight, our body, and that means literally, physically, our, our body is not our own. We are under his ownership because we are under his occupancy. He's taken ownership that he might take occupancy. What? Know you not that your body is the what? The temple of the Holy Ghost. Do you think about how the temple, how meticulous God was about the temple in the Old Testament? In the Old Testament, it was a structure. First a tent and then brick and, or stone and mortar. And God said, when you go into the temple, this is the order I want. When, uh, when you get inside the temple, this is the order I want. This is the cleansing I want. This is the way I want that temple handled because that's where my presence is at. And I want people to know who I am. Therefore, the way the temple is used is about people knowing who God is. Now, what changed from the Old to the New Testament is God quit dwelling in a building in a geographical location and He began dwelling in the bodies of believers. That's so abundantly clear. God is no longer... You don't have to travel to Jerusalem to experience the presence of God. You don't have to have a priest go in for you. You have Jesus Christ who represents you. And you and I are literally, in the most literal sense, the dwelling place of God Almighty. Our body is the place of His occupancy. And that means when I am saved and I do something wicked with my body, I am dragging God someplace He doesn't want to be. That's why there's grief in the soul when a Christian sins because the Spirit of God hates it. It's not who He is. And may I say this, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that every one of us will give an account for the deeds done in, help me, the body. Meaning, I will give an account to my master someday for how I use the body he purchased with his blood. I'll give an account for what I do with it and what I refuse to do with it. It's his body. And it is to be carried out and handled his way. So number one, the possession of our bodies, we're under his ownership because he's taken occupancy. He, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, just as another text that speaks this out so clearly that the body of the believer is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. The Bible says, Know ye not, there's that term again, that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, just let's take a pause real quick. Who is he writing this to? The Corinthians. These are carnal believers, but that didn't change the fact they were still indwelt with the Spirit of God. So know you not that your body is the temple of God, uh, 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 the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If, in notice verse 17, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple ye are? That means your body is set apart for a distinct purpose. It is to set apart for a distinct purpose that relates to God Almighty. Holy things are set apart for God's use. You know what? The priests, unlike other people, could not simply marry who they wanted to. There were, there were rules. Why? Because they were holy. They were set apart for the service of God. Do you realize there was an, a, a perfume that was used in the tabernacle and God says you can't use that for any other purpose. 
You can't anoint your body with it. You can't, you can't use it for in, you can't burn it in your house because it smells good. It is only to be used on the altar of incense. You are not to duplicate that recipe. Why? Because it's holy. May I say this tonight? You and I are holy. Not just are we to be holy. We're not supposed to only act in a holy manner. God says you are, meaning you are set apart as God's dwelling place. Here's then what the answer is. When you and I misuse this body, it misrepresents God. Remember when uh, Sanballat and Tobiah gave Nehemiah fits about building a wall? You remember why? Because they were using the temple for personal gain. And it was misrepresenting God. And so then tonight, the body is the possession of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, that leads us to, because we're His possession, there is a distinct purpose for our bodies. The Bible makes it so abundantly clear what the purpose of the Christian's body is. Number one, the occupation of the Holy Spirit. You know what? In the Old Testament, the primary emphasis was on God the Father. God the Father implementing His law. God the Father laying down the laws that govern humanity. So the primary emphasis, God the Spirit was in existence and God the Son in existence. There's one one Lord. But the emphasis in the Old Testament is on God the Father. The emphasis is on, in the Gospels is on God the Son because He came and visited us. Do you know the emphasis today on God the Holy Spirit? And He emphasizes Jesus Christ and glorifies the Father. And so today, instead of God the Son being here doing miracles around the uh, the Holy Land, what happens is God the Holy Spirit is on earth. They say, is God working today? Absolutely. Through the bodies of believers, the gospel, the work of Almighty God goes out through the bodies of Christians. If people are going to know God, they're going to know Him through us. And if they're going to be blinded, it may be us that's to blame. You see, if the world is going to see that there's a God, and if the world is going to see that Jesus Christ is living, it will be through the bodies of Christians. Our hands and our feet and our mouths and our countenance. That's how. Do you think the countenance of a Christian makes a difference on a lost person? When you and I are suffering anguish and they watch our reaction and they watch our face, when they say something nasty to us and they watch how we respond, all they can see, friend, is our body. I believe as D.L. Moody said, for, for many people, the only Bible they'll ever read is you. Now, that's biblical, by the way. We are epistles written of God, read of men. And don't tell me when a so-called Christian lets one slip that it doesn't matter. I've shared this story with you before. I'm going to give it to you again. I had a co-worker. To my knowledge, he's still lost today. I've tried to speak to him more than once. and We have spoken about the things of the Lord. I count him as a friend, very very nice man, very respectful of my faith in the Lord, very respectful of my convictions, but not a believer. And when I first met him, he was testing me and trying me out. I was about 21, 22. We're out on the golf course working together. I pull up on my tractor next to him. He pulls up next to me. We begin to exchange pleasantries, get to know each other. And he says, so you're a preacher or something like that. I said, yes, sir. And I told him, explain. He said, yeah, I had a Christian roommate at Indiana State University. And I kid you not, within the first five minutes of our conversation, this is what he brought up. He said, yeah, he claimed to be a Christian. He said, but you know, he had music and listened to it. He said, it didn't sound any different than what I listened to. Yet he said it was Christian. Isn't that strange? You know what he's saying to me right away? I haven't got the time of day for this phony Christianity. I had a roommate who said he was a Christian, but what he was pumping into his ears is no different than what I was pumping into my ears. And I'm telling you, it was as plain as the nose on my face. What he's saying is, that's fraudulence. He was raised in a Catholic school. He had no time for fraudulent religion. 
What we do with our bodies matters. It matters. There's a man that was rejecting the gospel, and I understand he's responsible for that. He's seen Christianity that's not fraudulent, among other, many people. But the fact is, that's his excuse, and shame on whoever that Christian was who lived ungodly in front of his roommate, who misused God's temple for his own sensual purposes, for his own sinful pleasure. And may I say this tonight? If a person who claims to be a Christian has this attitude, you know what, there's some things that I enjoy doing with my body and I don't see why I can't. You just need to repent tonight. God, can I speak plainly? There's no room for that kind of a wicked attitude in a Christian. It's not our body. There's no room for me getting, well, I want to do certain things. I want to do it. Look, if we wanted to live that way, then we ought to be lost. <laughs> That's like the children of Israel saying, I want to go back to Egypt. There's leeks and garlics and onions there. Hey, that oh, that's behind us. We've been bought with a price. And so the purpose of our bodies, number one, is the occupancy of the Holy Spirit. Number two, the magnification of Jesus Christ. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I don't know about you, I'm encouraged when I can get some clear-cut purposes laid out. Why does something exist? What is its purpose? Then I can know how to use it, Right? And so then when I know that the purpose of my body is to magnify Jesus Christ, well, that sure clears some things up for me. I said, well, I can't do that because that will confuse people about who the Lord is. That will make them wonder, if you're a Christian, but you do that? I believe it's exactly what Paul meant in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And he said, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for un- unto me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meaning, not everything accomplishes my goal. There are some things I may have a right to do with my body, but it misses the mark in what I'm supposed to do with my body. My body is about magnifying, or this idea, making Jesus Christ clear to the observer. My body should be used, my tongue, my my every part in such a way that it makes who Jesus Christ is very clear. It's what he meant when he said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Philippians chapter 1, Paul says it. This way, he says in verse 19, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Verse 20, According to my earnest expectation and my hope. You know, Paul's saying, this is my goal. This is my sincere expectation and hope. Or this is my goal. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. That in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also... Christ shall be magnified in my spirit, body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We we have many times a better goal than that for our bodies. Many times our lofty goals are, it's fun. (laughs) Many times, you know why we don't magnify Jesus Christ in our bodies? Because we prefer fun over making Christ known. Well, it's I'm uncomfortable. So I'm going to prefer my comfort over His magnification. The goal of my body is to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and the goal of the Holy Spirit to use my body is to magnify Jesus Christ. I said this very recently. I used to struggle with magnification. We're going to magnify Christ in the body. And I think, when I think of magnifying, I think of taking something that's very small and making it big. But that's not the only use of magnification. This very morning, I used my trusty binoculars because I saw black dots moving across the field. You'd think I'd get tired of looking at elk. I haven't yet. I said, hey, those aren't hay bales moving, are they? 
I picked up my binoculars and I magnified them. Now, come hunting season, I like to magnify me the more because I start looking and say, what color is the body? Whoop, yep, there's some things on the head. Right? We're magnifying. Am I making that elk any bigger than it really is? Or am I bringing it into focus? I want to tell you something. I was talking to a man this afternoon, and we were talking about the Lord, and he was talking about a church, and he thought his grandmother had been mistreated, and... I said, you know, I think one of the greatest tools of Satan is false religion. It gets people to think improperly about God. You know what? You and I can make a difference in that regard. When we'll say, my body is not about me having personal pleasure. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, the body is not for fornication, fornication for the body. God did not design you to pursue pleasure at any cost. Just because something is doable and just because it brings pleasure doesn't mean it's right. God did not design our bodies to sin. Our bodies were designed to glorify God through the magnification of Jesus Christ. So the distinct purpose of the body is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit for the magnification of Jesus Christ. As the Holy Spirit of God controls our bodies through His Word, as we submit and He He guides and directs, the result and the fruit is Christ is known. Christ is seen through the Spirit of God's use of my body. Make sense? So, number one, the purpose of the body is to be occupied by the Spirit. The purpose of the Christian's body is to magnify Jesus Christ. And thirdly, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, What, know ye not that your body is the temple of, uh, of the Holy Ghost, which you have of God, and you're not your own? Therefore glorify God. Therefore what? Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Throughout the time of preaching and pastoring, you have to preach things that are in the Bible about how the Christians should use their body. It's not about salvation, it's about stewardship and service. And it's amazing to me the debates that come up over about using... I've had people debate over whether or not a Christian can cuss and swear. And can you believe that a Christian would actually defend that? I can't either. Christians don't. People that claim to be do or believers that are out of God's will do. <laughs> but people that are living for Christ don't do that. But I've heard debates over that. I've never heard someone say, you know, I use those five foul words to glorify God. Not once. I've heard them say, I don't see anything wrong with saying that. I don't mean anything bad by it. I'm not trying to be. I've heard people discuss why it's okay to wear immodest clothing. Well, this is what I have to wear at this time. I've never heard one someone say, well, I have to dress immodestly to glorify God. Well, if I'm going to do that, I have to dress immodestly. Well, don't do it. Because God said, he's speaking especially to the ladies, adorn yourself in modest apparel. Don't adorn yourself in that which attracts attention to you sensually or any other way. He told men and women not to dress like each other. I've heard all the excuses. Can you imagine if I stood up here tonight and said, friends, I have to wear a dress. I've got psoriasis on my, my ankles and I have to wear a dress. And you laugh. We're headed there. And you hear me, we're headed there. We're going to have men in the pulpit in skirts and dresses before long. Because we surrendered on the other one already. Now you hear me now. It's not our body. And God gave some clear instruction. And I've heard all kinds of reasons why certain things are okay, but I've never heard I do this to glorify God. I've heard I have to do this because of my work or my play or to fit in with the culture. Isn't that it? Should we just be honest with ourselves? I'm not upset at anybody. This is the truth of it, though. We're not doing what we do with our bodies often to glorify God. 
I've heard it when it comes to what we listen to. I've heard arguments about why it's okay to listen to uh, whether it be what we watch on TV or what we listen to on the radio or the music. Well, I don't see anything wrong with it. That's the first thing I always hear. I don't see anything wrong with it. I remember some young people arguing years ago about, well, all country music songs aren't bad. Well, maybe. Everything in the garbage can is not always bad either, but you've got to dig through a bunch of junk to find it. <laughs> right? The fact of the matter is, why are we even thinking that way? Why are we even thinking, well, how, how close to using my body like the world does can I be without getting in trouble? How about this? What will glorify God? What will bring most glory to Him? What will be very clear that what I'm doing is to obey Him? So when people say, why are you different? Why? Because I love my Savior and I see in His Word this indication of what He wants for my life. And I'm doing this because He's worthy. See, when we're doing things for ourselves, we have to come up with other reasons. Instead of, I'm doing it to glorify God. By the way, I believe when you're doing it to glorify God, you don't really have to go around saying so. Your actions will say so. Your decisions. Well, we go through a number of other illustrations. I ask you tonight, do you listen to what you do on your radio or your CD player or whatever kind of player you have today? <laughs> CDs are getting outdated. To glorify God? To glorify God? Is my reading content to glorify God? Is my apparel to glorify God? We're talking about the body tonight. Is my language to glorify God or to vent my anger? <laughs> I'm trying to touch all of our lives if we can. We all have bodies and we all have things we need to be thinking about. Is this really what God wants done with the body He purchased with His blood? It's about glorifying Him. We magnify Christ. Why? Because when Christ is magnified, God is glorified. When I read Jesus Christ in my Bible, I think, what a good God we have. Because, you know why? Because of how Jesus used His body. You realize the Bible makes much of how He used His body? It talks about the way the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. It talks about when he was weary and sat on a well, but being thus wearied with his journey, what did he do with his body? He used it to witness to a woman and lead her to eternal life. Even in his weariness, he was faithful. And what he does is he gives us a clear picture of God the Father. And as you and I submit to Jesus Christ, we give the world a clear picture of him. So that way, if they reject, they know who they're rejecting. If they receive, they know who they're receiving. Our duty on earth is to magnify Jesus Christ. Can you think of a higher calling than to magnify Christ? No, I can't either. There's no better joy than succeeding at such a thing. So the possession of our bodies, he's in ownership and he is in occupancy. The purpose of our bodies is that the Spirit of God may be indwelt in us and be represented, have a, a, a temple to work through on this earth, the magnification of Jesus Christ for the glorification of God. That's it. That's why we live. So if I can live another 40, 50 years, that's what my body's about. And then one day I'll get me a new one. So will you. But until then, God can use a sinful vessel of clay and put the treasure in the earthen vessel that the treasure may be known. Thirdly, the presentation of our bodies. And don't miss this. The possession of our bodies, it's His. He bought it. The purpose of our bodies that He might occupy and be magnified and glorified. But thirdly, for this to happen, we have to present it to Him. Now, isn't that odd? Jansen, can I have my watch back, please? Thank you very much. I'm going to put that back on my arm so I can keep telling time. Well, wasn't that hard for him to do? Why did he give it back to me so fast? 
Anson, why'd you give that watch to me so quick? Right. Was it your watch? If I said, give me your pencil. Oh, very good. I'll give it back. Thanks. That's his pencil. But the fact of the matter is, he recognizes a couple things. That was my watch. Number two, I'm his authority. And I said, let me have it. But boy, sometimes the Lord getting us to give him our bodies is like, can I have your body? I'd like to use your mouth to witness to your neighbor. Oh, they might not like me. Can I have your hands to pass out some gospel tracts or maybe to go and, and, and help somebody with your hands with a shovel in a ditch? Or uh, Can I have your feet? I'd like to go over there and talk to those people and invite them to church. And, oh, I don't know. I was doing this with my hands and feet, and I don't think you'd like that too well. We say, let me have the watch. God says, let me have the watch. We say, I don't know. I'm enjoying keeping it. I've never seen him yank one out of somebody's hand. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, Romans 12, 1, by the mercies of God, that ye present your spirits, your inner man, and present your bodies a living sacrifice, meaning my hands are off. A living sacrifice. And here's the wonderful thing. It's his body, but he says, you've got to present it to me. I bought it, but you're the steward. Now, I'll ask you a question. If you never in your life present your body and take your hands off for God to do with your body whatever he wants, you're going to answer for that in the judgment seat? Will he say, did you know that I wanted your body to use for my purpose? Ah, yeah, I heard that since I was little. Did you know some of the things I wanted to do with your body for my glory? Yes, sir. Why didn't you? Because I was playing with it myself for my own pleasure. Well, that'll be a good day on Judgment Day, won't it? I don't think we'll get a chance to say any of that. I think we'll be on our face weeping our eyes out. Saying, ah, I blew it. I remember, you'll laugh at me. I remember as a six-year-old boy, my grandpa had a 1957 one-ton Apache truck. That's a big, ugly truck. A big flatbed on it. We'd go get firewood and all kinds of things. And I was sitting next to my dad, a six or seven years old, and he gave me the opportunity to shift gears for him. He said, Nevin, in just a minute, I'm going to push the clutch, and I want you, I think we were going into third, I don't remember. I want you to shift the gear, and he told me, he explained it very clearly what he wanted me to do. He said, I want you to do that for me. Now, I'm a little kid, but I am feeling like a king. I'm sitting next to my dad in Grandpa's truck. We're rumbling down the road. He said, you ready? And I'm afraid. I might mess up. He said, when I say go, you go ahead and shift it. He pushed that old clutch in. And I froze. Well, we ran out of time. He shifted and went on. I said, I was going to do it. And I bawled like a baby. Oh, son, what are you crying for? Because I think you wanted me to shift again. And I missed my opportunity, right? And I thought I'd hurt his feelings. I thought he was upset with me. I didn't get to do the big man thing, shift the gear. I was upset for a lot of reasons. But my illustration tonight is I had a brief opportunity and I missed it. Now, God's doing great things, and he always will be until the Lord comes. And he says, I am giving you an opportunity to be involved in my work. I've bought your body, it's mine, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to prove that you're a faithful steward and give it back so that I can do with your body whatever I want. I remember being a young person, being afraid what God might do with my body. He might restrict me from doing this, and he might restrict me from doing that, and I won't be cool and fit in, and people think I'm a weirdo like I think they're weirdos. 
I knew some Christians that were sold out, and I thought they were fruitcakes and weirdos because they weren't like the world. I'll tell you the weirdo was. It wasn't weird. It was ignorance and stupidity and foolishness to not realize what a valuable and precious thing it is to serve God. I'm glad he's patient. I'm glad he's persistent. And he continues to say, that's my body now. It's mine. You sure you want to keep it for yourself? And your body tonight is not yours. It's the Lord's. And he says, I bought it with a price, but you have to present it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Has God not been merciful to you? Is your body in hell today? The bodies don't go to hell. The Bible says they will eventually. The unjust will be raised up and their bodies cast into hell in the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 21. We get a glorified body. They, they are raised up and cast in the lake of fire. That's never going to be my eternal destination or yours if you're saved. Hasn't God been merciful? Are you eaten up with disease from sin tonight? Then God's merciful. I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What's he say next? Holy. You're holy and I want holy vessels. You present me a holy body. This is your reasonable service. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know why it's reasonable to present your body? Because it's His. How many of you think Jansen was a nut for giving up his watch? He didn't give up his watch. He gave me my watch. It was just reasonable. And yet, boy, we fight and wrestle with God about giving Him our bodies. It's a matter of stewardship. It's a matter of sanctification. It's a matter of service. It's your reasonable service. May I say this? We cannot say we love God and we want to serve Him if we won't do this one simple thing. Lord, you do with my body whatever you want. You tell me what to put in it. You tell me what to put on it. You tell me the way to present it. You tell me what to let come out of it. My body is yours. A living. God doesn't want you to go out and commit suicide. He doesn't want you to go out and be martyred. Not, not for most. Do you realize most people aren't martyrs? He wants living sacrifices. Living ones. You know what? Isn't it reasonable tonight that we would give him what belongs to him anyway? Our body is his possession. It has a divine purpose, but for the divine purpose for which it is possessed to be fulfilled, it must be presented. You have to say, Lord, here's my body. The things that are being done with it that are wrong, I'm asking you to forgive me. I've been misusing your body, and I want you to use it for your purpose and mean it. And then truck on and live that way forever, day by day by day. Is the Bible pretty clear on the Christian's body, who it belongs to, what its purpose is, and how that purpose is fulfilled? Got to present it, a living sacrifice. Lord, it's yours. Mm-hmm.